0: Okay,
1: I, you know, I gave him the interpretation. Now's my golden opportunity. Small favor, you know, small favor in return for interpreting this dream to you. I mean, Joseph knew, you know, in three days, my man <laughs> is going to be standing daily in the presence of Pharaoh. He says, what an opportunity, for me to get released from this prison. And he's so assured of his interpretation, Joseph, there's no question about it, his interpretation, that he now, he shifts into immediate pleading with this butler to just do some kindness in, in verse 14. But think on me when it shall be well with thee. Show kindness, I pray thee unto me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. See, these words really cut to our hearts when we realize this, because we can feel Joseph's pain, and he's asking the, the butler, he says, can you just think on me, You know, I'm like, get me out of this place, show kindness, he says, I pray thee, just make mention of me to Pharaoh, so Pharaoh will bring me out of this prison here. So the butler agrees to help Joseph, and Joseph gives to the butler, okay, now, here's what he says in verse 15, indeed I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, here also have I done nothing, that they should put me into this dungeon here. So, Joseph is telling the butler, look, I've got two injustices. I'm a victim of crime, (laughs) he said. I've got two injustices that were done to me. Joseph says, first of all, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And again, I'm not saying anything more about that, you know. Just leave it that I was unjustly kidnapped from my house. And the second injustice, he said, was that I've done nothing to deserve being in this prison. So, Again, here we see Joseph in both these. He's going to great lengths to not blame Potiphar's wife, not blame Potiphar, not blame his brothers for all that. But what he's doing, what's he doing in verse 15? He's prepping the butler, right? He's prepping the butler, just like when we have depositions, which unfortunately we do. The lawyer preps us, right? We got to go before the judge. The lawyer preps us. He's prepping the butler. The butler is going to be the lawyer. Stand in front of Pharaoh. So we can see this hopeful expectation that has just risen up like a sunrise in Joseph's heart. And he's preparing the butler for his appeal. Now look, I know what Pharaoh's gonna say first. Now you gotta get this down now. You know what it's gonna be? What's the issue? What's the issue? Okay, when he says, what's the issue? Then you say, bring me out of this house. I need to bring Joseph out of this house. Okay, the next question that Pharaoh's gonna have, he said he's a Hebrew. What's he doing here in Egypt anyway? I don't get it. You know, he's the only Hebrew in Egypt. <laughs> how come we got the only Hebrew in Egypt trapped in our prison? Okay, so Joseph anticipates Pharaoh asking the butler that, look, the man's not an Egyptian. The man's a Hebrew. So, so how did the Hebrew get from the land of the Hebrews or Canaan into Egypt? So Joseph carefully prepares the butler and he says, you tell him, I indeed was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And again, you feel this, this hopeful expectation on Joseph's part, he's prepping this is butler with these questions. Okay, third, Joseph is anticipating. He's thinking, you know, Pharaoh's gonna ask the next question. You know, what did he do? <laughs> you know, how did he end up in this terrible prison? What did he do wrong to deserve to be in this dungeon? So he preps him again. In verse 15, he says, here also have I done nothing that I should be put in this dungeon. So these are the big questions that Joseph is prepping the butler to be able to stand up And to make his appeal to Pharaoh. And I can imagine he probably practiced with him. He said, let's go over it one more time. we got three days, so, you know. (laughs) All right. And so now looking at all this through the butler's eyes, let's look at this through the butler's eyes. And we can imagine also, you know, the butler was saying, you know, I never knew this about you. I've always been curious about you, Joseph. You know, I mean, there's always been a couple things I've always wondered about. First of all, you're the only Hebrew in Egypt. And, you know, I mean, your Egyptian's not too bad. You can speak that pretty well. But I was wondering, how'd you get here anyway? How'd you get here? And second, second thing I noticed about you, Joseph, you know, you're really, a, I've gotten to know you a little bit. You're, you're really good. You're a moral person. You're an honest person. What terrible thing did you do to end up here in the prison? So, you know, he answers all these questions. And he says, well, I'll ask for your first question about how I ended up here. For indeed, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. So ask for your second question as to what terrible thing did I did, nothing. I did nothing. From verse 15. So from verses 14 and 15, we can feel this passion in Joseph. He's pleading for his release. And we can feel all this hopeful expectation that's just risen up in his heart. He thinks, this man is going to get Pharaoh to get me out of prison. And we can feel all this hopeful expectation as he thinks of the conversation that the butler's going to have with Pharaoh. He's getting all hopeful. I'm going to get out of here. And you ever been in a situation like that? (laughs) you ever been in a bad situation and you've got all this hopeful expectation this is gonna come through for me you know come on baby deliver it's gonna happen right and when Joseph heard the butler's dream immediately he understood a single ray of light has just come into this dark damp stinking underground prison and that light is gonna lead me to freedom and ever since Joseph was put in those irons in, this, in that place, Joseph looked for his chance to get out. And he knew, this man's, I only got three days to wait. Oh, it's so good. He's gonna be released from the prison. And so, you know, and he give this man, I'm gonna give you the best three nights of sleep you've ever had. You know? <laughs> give him the assurance. And so he does that in verse 12, 13, where he gives him the interpretation of dreams. And then it's so dramatic in verse 14, he tells him the church of the dream. He says, but... You know, don't go away, and then the, the butler says, "But," and Joseph says, "But," and the butler says, "But what?" You know, is there something more to my dream? No, there's something I want to ask you. Think of me, think on me, but think on me. In verse 14, I know you're really appreciated for what I've just done for you. I'm sure you're looking for some way to repay me. I know you are. <laughs> so please do this, but think on me. When it shall be well with thee, show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me to Pharaoh, bring me out of this place. Now, when Joseph said at the end of verse 14, Bring me out of this house, who is Joseph asking to bring him out of prison? Who? The butler. Right. What is Joseph doing? Joseph, he's putting his firm confidence in the integrity and the reliability of the butler. Joseph is trusting in the butler to bring him out of prison. Joseph is putting his confidence in the arm of flesh. That's the butler. Joseph, 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 what are you doing? Trusting man and saying to flesh and blood, bring me out of this house. See, by trusting in man, Joseph was really setting himself up for failure. By putting all of his hopeful expectations in this butler, poor Joseph is setting himself up for a big fall. And sure enough, The last statement in this chapter, that's the fall. When it says, yet, in verse 23, Genesis 40, verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. And with that verse, the only ray of hope that Joseph had, it it went out slowly. And now there seemed nothing left for Joseph, but for him to just waste away the rest of his life there in prison. This was a heavy disappointment. For Joseph, why was Joseph so disappointed? Because he didn't follow what God said in Jeremiah 17, five, even though he didn't have it, but nevertheless, the principle is true. Jeremiah seventeen five, and if this happens to us, this is what our problem is too. In Jeremiah 17, five, saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord. He shall be like a heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. Right around the Dead Sea. That's what that place is. Salt land, not inhabited. Yeah. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord is, he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, beautiful waters of the Jordan River. The waters spreadeth out her roots by the river. And actually, right Into the river a little bit. And she'll not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and she'll not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. So Joseph falls into the trap of trusting in man, making flesh his arm. And for that moment, Joseph's heart departed from the Lord. And we've been there. We know this. We've been there where we've all trusted in man and we've made flesh our arm and for a moment our hearts depart from the Lord and the result is heath in the desert tumbleweed in the sand and by contrast Jeremiah 17 7 says blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord whose hope the Lord is so the result of trusting the Lord is a tree planted by the waters where the, where the roots just go right over to the waters and when the drought comes it's drawn from the waters so Why did Joseph, and why do we do this? Why do we put trust in man? Why did Joseph do this? Because of what it says in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Even Joseph's pure heart (laughs) was deceitful and desperately wicked, you know? Sometimes you look at a little baby and says, oh, so innocent, so sinless, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> the problem is our deceptive heart, you know, that says, "You were let down by that man last time. You were let down. So what are you doing now? Oh, this man's different. <laughs> this man's different." Those are the words of deceptive heart. And what's the solution? Jeremiah seventeen ten. Jeremiah seventeen ten. I, the Lord, search the heart. God knows. God knows, he's to be trusted, he's to be the focus of our hopeful expectation. As David said in Psalm 62 five, Psalm 62 five, David said, my soul, it's funny David talks to his soul, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you, you dare not trust your own. So Joseph comes out of this experience, And he learns the rest of Psalm 62, especially uh, the first two verses of Psalm 62, Psalm 62, 1 and 2. Truly, my soul waiteth upon God, and from him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. Not the butler. God only is my rock and my salvation. He's my defense. I will not be greatly moved. Then... Verse 5 of Psalm 62, Psalm 62, 5. My soul wait thou only upon God. My expectation is from him. He only is my rock, my salvation. He's my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge. Selah. Surely men of low degree or vanity, men of high degree, they're alive. All laid in the balance there, all together. Vanity, lighter than vanity. So, when the butler was released from prison, we can imagine Joseph smiling, you know, waving, bye, remember, remember, remember. Yeah, I remember. Okay, don't forget. Okay, so we can imagine how the butler waved goodbye. Okay, bye, Joseph, bye, Joseph. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. You know, I won't forget you. Don't worry. And then came the days, and Joseph sat in the prison with all his hopeful expectation. And okay, anytime, anytime. Now the word's gonna come down here from Pharaoh. Joseph, you've been released by Pharaoh. And we can imagine how Joseph was sitting there saying, okay, okay, yesterday the butler was, he was just getting occupied with getting back into the swing of things, getting back into his old position and everything. he remember, he remember, he remember that I've been stolen and I did nothing wrong to be in this prison. And we can imagine Joseph, he's looking up there you know, where the only light came at the top of the prison. He's thinking how soon my freedom's gonna be walking right down that ray of light. It's coming. And Joseph sat there in the darkness day after day, no help comes. And as a matter of fact, it's two years that Joseph is languishing there in prison since the butler was released. And during those, those two years, those were really, really hard times for Joseph. And he came to the conclusion, well, the butler failed me. He failed me. I put confidence in him. Those are the hardest two years in Joseph's life because they were such a great disappointment. And that's what's so hard for us in life is when we have great expectations in the wrong area and they don't happen. And it's the disappointments in life that really kill us. And what was Joseph going to do during these two years of disappointment? How's he going to hold up during these two years of strong disappointment? This was the time for Joseph to, now he has to switch just like he told the butler, interpretations do, belong to God, don't look to He had to say, my deliverance doesn't come from the butler, it's come from God. So he's got to take his own medicine. And those are the time for us to trust God and embrace the truth. Embrace the truth that Vice President Mike Pence put up, put up in his residence there in Washington, D.C., the verses in Jeremiah 29.10, Jeremiah 29.10, which says, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So God spoke those words to a very discouraged Jewish people who had been carried away as prisoners of war, slaves from Israel to Babylon. And the haunting thoughts came, we're never going back home again. We're never gonna go back to Israel. We're gonna forever be slaves, prisoners of war here in Babylon, just like we were slaves in Egypt, only the difference is there's no Moses. There's no Moses, arm of flesh, there's no Moses. And that was a really hard time for the Jewish people. It's really hard for us to even understand how discouraged they were. So therefore, God says, I want you to know how discouraged they were, so I'm gonna have for you Psalm 137. In Psalm 137, it explains to us this great discouragement. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our hearts upon the willow in the midst thereof. For they, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. They that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land. So just like Joseph is sitting there as a prisoner away from home, the Jewish people are sitting as prisoners by the rivers of Babylon, far away from home as well, in a state of total discouragement, wondering, am I ever going to be free again? Am I ever going to return home to Zion? And that's the time that God steps in and he says to the Jewish people in Babylon in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. God said he knew the thoughts that he was thinking towards them. And that's a great word. That's a word we've looked at before. It's a Hebrew word. That word is a little bit different, but same root, Now what it means is it comes from the word chashab. Remember that word chashab? Hashab was the word that God used to describe Abraham. It says in Genesis 15, 6, Genesis 15, 6, he believed in the Lord and he counted it. He hashab, he counted it to him for righteousness. Hashab is translated cunning when it describes the two workmen, Bethleel and Oholiab, when they weaved the curtains of the tabernacle. And you know, the curtains of the tabernacle, they started off being fine linen and then there was gold, purple. You remember that? Gold, purple. And so, and they put the cherubims in those colors. See, they were weavers. And it says in Exodus 26, one, moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle of 10 curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet, the cherubims of hashab work, cunning work, shalt thou make them, you weave them together. So as they were weaving, those two men were weaving the blue, the purple, the gold into those threads, into the white linen, egyptian cotton i'll have you know probably 600 thread don't know anyway as they were weaving the blue the purple and the gold threads into the curtains of the tabernacle they were chashabbing. they were weaving and that's the word that god used when he says what he's doing in babylon god knows the hashab the weaving that he is weaving and it's all going to come out beautiful so Joseph, we want to say, Joseph, just let God hashab already. Just let him weave. Because in God's weave, it was necessary for Joseph to stay in prison and not be released. And Joseph couldn't understand that. But later he would understand why it was important in God's hashab, his weaving of this all of this, it was important for Joseph to stay in prison. Can anyone think? Why was it important? For the butler to forget Joseph? Why was it important for Joseph to be left in prison? From what we know now? From what's gonna happen? What's the value in the butler forgetting Joseph in prison? What's the value? Yeah? Okay, good. Now I want you to focus for a key to this in Genesis 40, verse 15. Genesis 40, verse 15. He says, I was stolen away out of where? The land of the Hebrews. So he's got in his mind the land of the Hebrews. Oh, the land of the Hebrews. If I could just go back to the land of Hebrews. Oh, home. Oh, Jewish boy shouldn't be in Egypt. That's not right. See, <laughs> so he, he longed to leave Egypt. I mean, the food might have been better in Egypt, but he wanted to go home. Now, knowing that, what would have been the first thing that Joseph had done if the butler did remember him and Joseph did get out of prison as a free man? What was the first thing he would do? He'd go home. He'd go home and said, man, home. Me and Egypt, we're finished. <laughs> he would have said that. Me and Egypt. You know, that's from Casablanca. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he says, uh, me and Egypt, finished. Finished. Okay. Humphrey Bogart did that. Okay. I never want to go back to Egypt again. I'm out of here. So if the butler had said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, there's a prisoner down there who's innocent. He shouldn't be there. He was falsely accused. He interpreted my dream for him. He's a good man. I sure would appreciate it if you let him go. And if that would have happened, and if Pharaoh would have let Joseph go, Joseph would have been gone out of Egypt. He would have went home. And if he went home, how could he interpret Pharaoh's dream? if he was gone how could he be made ruler over Egypt if he was gone how could he save the Jewish people his family from starvation see part of God's weaving in Joseph's history was to keep him right there in prison so God kept Joseph in Pharaoh's prison nearby Pharaoh so Pharaoh wouldn't have any difficulty finding Joseph (laughs) he's right there where I need him (laughs) in the palace prison So the butler forgetting Joseph and Joseph remaining in prison was all part of the wonderful weaving that God was doing in Joseph's history and for that matter in the history of the Jewish people, for that matter in the history of the world because the Savior is gonna come from the Jewish people. That was part of it. And that's what Joseph had to trust when he didn't understand. Later, he could say, a lot of people meant stuff for evil for me, but God meant it for good. I don't think that butler was very nice to me either. But God meant it for good. All because God's a great weaver. That's all you can say. He's a great weaver. We've got to trust the Lord in our lives to do his weaving job. He's a great weaver. He was a great weaver for Joseph. He's a great weaver for us. Trust him. Trust him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for how you're making all these details to come together in such a wonderful way. It's like forum. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing this in Joseph's life. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330 P.O. Box 711-330 Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere.